0: This is the look
2: ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on the look ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Coming up about fifteen minutes or so from now, we're joined by uh, Mackenzie Rivers from uh, Fox Sports Radio, the uh, uh, Straight Out of Vegas RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast. Talk NBA Finals and U.S. Open, which gets underway here on Thursday from Brookline, Massachusetts. I got three bets for the U.S. Open. We'll talk to Mackenzie about all of that coming up soon. But Game One of the Stanley Cup Final is now in the rearview mirror as the avalanche win 4-3 over the lightning in overtime and this was really uh, two separate games um maybe you know maybe three if you want to call it just going by the periods but after the first period i honestly thought tampa was done colorado came out and they just looked too fast and you know coming into this series i thought that tampa's style And really, the East Conference style was going to be better and would maybe out-physical, out-defense the fast-skating, high-flying, high-scoring that we've seen out of the Western Conference. And Colorado, who is a physical team, will give them that. They came out, and they just were too fast. The layoff clearly did not impact them like I thought it was going to. Uh, I was on the under six in this game. I thought the layoff combined with Vasilevsky and the, the way that Tampa would play defense would limit the scoring in this game. And I thought Tampa had a great chance to win. it. But Colorado came out really strong, really fast, and I think overwhelmed Tampa in that first period. A 3-1 lead going into the intermission, and I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe this game could have blowout potential. A 5-1, 6-1 type finish. But credit to uh, John John Cooper, who's you know going to be a Hall of Fame coach, right? You don't win uh, two Stanley Cups, bring a team to a third one, and uh, really, you know, it's been an incredible... Um, run for, for this team in this this dynasty. What adjustments they made in the intermission, because it, it was great, because in the second period, they looked like a different team. This looked like a different game. They shrunk the ice. There wasn't a lot of space for Colorado to move. And so when you looked at the the the, the performance, Vasilevsky was much better in the second period. He kind of fell into his... Uh, his rhythm, he was seeing the puck, he, you know, clearly. He was making stop after stop. I mean, he had 34 saves in this game. Avalanche had 38 shots, though. That's where you get the four goal, four goals. Um, and in that second period, Tampa with a great job of responding, scoring two goals, one right after another, and tying the game up at three. Going into the third period where this was just a battle where you wondered um, which team would make a mistake. But the teams didn't. That's the thing. In the third period, there there wasn't many mistakes. You had one penalty on uh, each team, right? You had the... Um, High sticking penalty, kind of early on in the third period, where Tampa didn't get anything out of it, and then you had the penalty at the end of the third period when Pat Maroon shot the puck over the boards, and that carried over into the you know early part of overtime, but didn't matter. Uh, and just a minute twenty three into overtime, Andre Burakovsky scores the goal, the game winner for the Avalanche. Going into now game two, I think Tampa is going to be much better. I think that what we saw from Tampa from the second period on is what we're going to see from Tampa for a full game in game number two. I don't think they'll be overwhelmed in the first period like they were in this game one. And so I think Tampa's a live play at plus one thirty for game two. And I do like the under six in game two. I think that the teams will tighten up. They tightened up after that first period. I mean, think about it. The first period just it caught them. It it caught Tampa off. It really did. They, you know, Colorado comes out, they 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 dominate the play. They get a good bounce here. They get the power play then, the five-on-three power play. I mean, this really should have been a two-to-one period. Winds up being three-to-one because of the five-on-three power play. And so that's where you get, you know, this thing wind up being an overplay. Uh, Total was six. It hits at seven. But this game could have easily been a 2-2 game going to overtime. Or even just a 3-2 finish in regulation. And after that first period, I think it's fair to say that Tampa was at the very worst on par with Colorado. They might have been slightly better. They were in that second period. And yeah, I think, you know, having the uh, extra days off here in between games one and games two. Game two is not going to be until uh, Saturday. I think that's going to benefit, you know, a little rest here. And I think Tampa comes out a much more complete team. Uh Braden Point, who did play in this game and got some good minutes, but I also felt that what he was kind of um he was kind of cautious with his minutes. And they and I was and, and uh, McDonough and Ferraro they were talking about it on the broadcast and and they were saying how Point was being smart, right? Like he wasn't pushing himself uh, in unnecessary situations. So he played; uh, he had almost eighteen minutes of ice time, and it's pretty good. It's like uh, amongst forwards, he was the second highest or third highest for the for the Lightning, and I think that. Another couple of days of rest. He'll be stronger. So you'll get a better effort from Braden Point in game number two. Vasilevsky's going to be great. I and mean, he was great in this game 34 saves. He did nothing wrong. Just had a bad first period. That's it. And Darcy Kemper really wasn't tested much except for that second period. That was it. You know, Tampa won 36 faceoffs to Colorado's 24. They both had three power plays. It was just Colorado converting on the five-on-three one that was the difference. They both had 25 and 26 blocked shots. Turnovers. You know, uh, Colorado had six giveaways. Tampa just two. But Colorado had 17 takeaways, which was a big moment uh, for, for this game. So I'm on Tampa and I'm on the under. And as far as Tampa winning this series, and I think they have a good chance to do so, if they earn the split in Colorado by winning game two, I think Tampa could very easily win both games in Tampa. And then they're up three games to one. They're in a great spot to win this series. Going into this series, I felt Andre Vasilevsky cotton the word. And right now the odds have adjusted, and he's at six to one. The reason I felt that he would win is because he's been so great in these playoffs and they're going to need him to be great in order for them to win this series against Colorado. And he could still win this with a Tampa win if let's say he has a shutout or you know a couple of one-goal games here with still racking up 30-somewhat, close to 40-somewhat saves in these games. I mean, he could still win this award for the second consecutive year. But the more I think about it, the more I think Nikita Kucherov actually has a legit chance if Tampa Bay wins, um, if he continues to rack up points in all of these games, that is. But if he wins this award, the voters could give it to him as sort of a I don't want to call it a lifetime achievement he's still a young kid but a a a culmination of the past 3 seasons like saying we we're acknowledging how great you were in the playoffs this year how great you were in the playoffs last year and how great you were in the playoffs the year before that you know Victor Hedman wins the Conn Smythe in the first championship year, Andre Vasilevsky wins the Conn in their second championship year, and maybe the voters spread the love and say, "Hey, now it's Nikita Kucherov's time to win the Conn and he is on a historic scoring pace right now in the playoffs, and he's still, like I said, about 28 years old, but he could—he's—he could finish
0: in two more years theoretically 2 to 3 more years at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in ohio
1: Follow the global story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: ...of playoffs and producing like he's been in the playoffs, he'll bring himself into the top five all-time playoff points. Just think about that. And I guess that's what happens when you go to the Stanley Cup final three consecutive years, right? <laughs> I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter. At Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, straight out of Vegas, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast, as we'll talk about the NBA Finals, Game Six coming up here on Thursday night, Celtics and Warriors, and a little U.S. Open golf as well. This is the look ahead here on VCIN, the Sports
0: Betting Network. the Sports Betting
2: Network. The third major of the golf season is here. You can get it on the action with the Doers Major Championship Challenge. Draft in two free fantasy golf contests, one classic and one round for showdown, and compete for your share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to slash Doers now to play for free. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Network, joined in studio by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radios, Straight Out of Vegas, RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast. Dealer's choice, Mackenzie, you want to get into US Open golf first or the NBA Finals game six coming up here Thursday night.
3: Well, why don't we just do a little US Open? Because there's just an opportunity that I just discovered right here Ooh. that you should just go to Tell your, me about it. uh respective sports books and just profit all day. So right here, sharp book. Tony Fino, minus 290, not to be top 10. That caught my eye. Oh, because Circa does yes, no. Yeah, because yeah. it does yes, no, uh-huh. so that you know that's gonna be a sharp side on both numbers. DraftKings right now, plus three thirty, yes, top ten. So if you have both books available to you, it's not it's not complicated. Bet the yes plus three thirty as much as you can, bet the minus two ninety as much as you can, you can't lose. You're gonna win either way. Because if he makes the if he finishes top ten. You win. Let's say you put one
2: uh, exactly. one unit on each. You're gonna yep. win three point three, and you'll lose one, so you'll win two point three,
3: or yeah. you re- or you got to bet a little more on the minus two. Oh, no, it's minus two nine. So you'll yeah, lose. let's say you bet two point nine units. So you'll, you'll lose win that. Three,
2: you'll win three point three, lose two point nine. Exactly. So you're still getting profit there. Or you lose your one unit and you win your one unit. So and- how? Oh, how would that work out? If you win, you're one here.
3: If you win the if you win the one unit, you you'd break even. You'd You'd lose, you'd lose one. Unit. Or you could bet three hundred on the minus two ninety, and okay, then you're a yeah, little yeah, profit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the three thirty, uh, is a sharp book. I think you want to bet the uh, less sharp number. The plus three thirty is probably the better yes. bet. Weight your leverage to that. But that's uh. Well, it's a no lose proposition. Exactly, and that's yeah. what's great about golf, uh, WNBA. There's a lot of scalpable numbers here in Vegas. Mm. Or if you got DraftKings driving down to Arizona, whatever you got to do. But let's talk about the hard sport real quick, the stuff that billions of dollars or money is spent on, besides the NFL, the most bet sport, the NBA, a lot of opinions. I know you were on the Celtics early. I think power ratings-wise, I've upgraded them. I mean, they've really shut down this Warriors team. Never before in the Steph Curry era has the offense outside of Steph Curry been this bad, Klay Thompson shooting the worst he ever has, Draymond Green, et cetera. They find themselves up 3-2 somehow. They were Mm -hmm. down late in game 5 it was looking bleak uh do you think it's just the experience the wherewithal with the warriors right now they they uh you know they make up for a talent disadvantage or do you do think the celtics uh do have the the series ahead of them going into going home for game 6
2: i think the celtics uh have played actually pretty good basketball um, if it just watching that game 5 they had open looks no doubt they had open looks they just couldn't make a shot and then in that third quarter, those shots were falling, right? And in the fourth quarter, they went back to missing shots again. Now, Jason Tatum air bowling a couple things is not ideal, but they still had open looks. Back home in Boston, I think they'll be more comfortable shooting. So if they get the same looks, I think that they will score. What I think they might go back to is they might go back to, and this is interesting if you're thinking about a player prop perspective, the Celtics might go back to letting Steph Curry do whatever he wants right, and take away everybody else. Because what they did in Game 5 was they they took away Steph Curry. Yeah. And everybody else just went off.
3: Right. Andrew Wiggins, best game of the series by far. Clay Thompson finally over 20 points. Draymond Green, his best game. Right. He actually went over in the first half uh-huh. uh, somehow, somehow cashing. So you're looking at Steph Curry possibly over points if they're leaving him open. I wouldn't be surprised by that because, I mean, if you look at the two games, like you you mentioned, making shots, every time the Warriors have won, it's gone under, and the Celtics have been ice cold. The two games that they shot decently, they shot like themselves, game one and game three, both went over the games. Both Boston went way over their team total. The Warriors have only gone over their team total one time by a half a point when Steph Curry had 43 in this whole series. So I would argue, numerically, the defense has done great. Do you think the pressure is mounting for the war, for the Celtics though? Because game one, I think you mentioned this. I thought it was a good point. You're really playing with house money. You did it. You mm-hmm. got to the finals. You got past the Heat. Now you're you know you can shoot. You know nine for 12 in the fourth quarter. That's a team you know playing with nothing to lose. Do you think the pressure now is tougher than it would be in game six? Yeah, you could say that.
2: It's obviously it's a do or die situation, but they've been in this situation before in these playoffs. Yep. They've already won two game sevens. And game it, six at Milwaukee, it, yeah. I would say, is probably the most pressure. They were only a one, they were point, one point dog yeah. you know, with the so, season on the line. So think about that. And, and here they are. I, I, I'm on my top plays for this game are first quarter over 53, 52 and a half, 53 and a half. I don't care. It's going at least 55. All right. Right. The, the two games in Boston, we had 55 points in the first quarter. Uh, you'll get a better shooting effort from the Warriors as a collective, especially from Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry first basket, sprinkle a little bit on that because after going 0 of 9 from three-point range, the first shot he's going to take, he might shoot it. We joked around about this earlier on the show. He
3: might shoot from half court. The first <laughs> <make> shot,
2: <laughs> the first shot of the game. You know, if you think per-
3: about his warm-up routine, that's like his next yes. that's his most logical he, shot at that point. He is going to shoot a three for the his first
2: shot of the game. He wants to get that first one out of the way because he's going to erase the whole sour taste of yeah. O of nine. So I expect a better shooting performance in the Warriors. I absolutely expect a strong start from the Celtics because. The past two losses, they have started so poorly that Ime Udoka is probably like, we have to get out to yeah. a fast start. Have to get out to a fast start. So I love the over in the first quarter, and I'm actually on the over for the game because 210 is too much of an overreaction to this whole you know series tightens up in Game Six, Game Seven. We've never seen a total this low in this no. in this series, and you know you just look at the scores of the games that we had in Boston. It was um,
3: game three, 216. Right. And in game four, 214. And you'd argue the defense was, was a lot for the first four games of the series. As you mentioned in game five, both teams were just missing open shots. You look at shot quality. Oh, 204, example, I
2: think it was in. in uh... In, in the other one. Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter. In the
3: last game that went under, it actually should have gone 10 points over. About 220, you estimated just off the top of your head by watching the game. Yeah. Pretty good eye. If you look at the uh, analytics site shot quality, 217 was expected. The Warriors have been on the road with a chance to close out game six, uh, six times. Oh, they don't close out on the road. In game sixes, they generally do. In game fives, they have a bad record. Six times in their, in their Warriors dynasty, five and one, straight up in ATS. Uh and it's five and one to the over. So mm. I'll I'll just throw that out there. My best bet in this game would be Robert Williams over 16 and a half points and rebounds. Last two games, most minutes he's played in the entire playoffs. They're like, well, you might lose a leg after this, but god damn it, we're not we're not <laughs> gonna be back in the finals statistically more than once or twice a decade. And he played his best. He actually had a plus twenty, um plus minus in the two games combined. They lost both games. Yeah. How's that possible? Because when Grant Williams was in, they were minus 37. You're talking about the urgency in the first half. That means I'm not playing Grant Williams. I am letting the 23-year-old sit and learn while I use the veterans, the better players, even if they're hurt, to try to get it done. So that's my best bet. Uh, Robert Williams is going to play a bunch of minutes. I lean to the over in the first half. I mean, the Celtics in the first half. What you're saying, but Robert Williams over 16.5 points and rebounds combined. I would honestly play Robert Williams at least 38 minutes in this game. Like he's got might maybe 40 minutes, and, and just dude. You gotta go out there. Do you think it's a coincidence play? that there's an article came out about five hours ago? I saw it. Report: Robert yeah. Williams, hey man, you can't hurt your knee any more than it's already hurt. That's what they said. I don't know how medically uh, savvy this report is, but you can't hurt your knee more than it's already hurt. Was the report? Didn't they say that to Kevin Durant back in the day? Like I feel like <laughs> no medical doctor would. I mean, you can. It's possible you can hurt your knee if you go out there. But they're making the measure. You can hurt other things, right? Right. Like you, yeah. It, you know, the knee bones connected to the shin bone. Like you can yeah, hurt your other If you I mean. Um But they're trying it. That's what they're saying. We're gonna let you go out and try it. Let me ask you a question.
2: Is, is game six clay still a thing that you need to be concerned
3: about? Yes. 50% for his career from three. I think it's uh it's kind of strategic that teams are just sagging off Steph. I mean, going on to Steph and sagging off clay at a certain point, but Strategically, Ime Adoka keeps saying we're sticking to our plan. We're going to guard each other, guard each man as a man. So I think Clay's going to be uh, guarded as he has been the rest of the series. And I, I wouldn't go over his prop. 20 and a half has been a, a dead number. He's gone over once or twice in the last, like, 10. So it just seems they put it up there every single time. Fans love him. Probably the most popular guy in the NBA. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch his over with a 10-foot pole. Game six in uh, Memphis, he had
2: 30 points with eight three-pointers made. Not bad.
3: <laughs> Not bad.
2: It's game six, Clay. So you you do like his over, then? No, I just think it, it leads into my liking the over for the game. Okay. If yeah. I'm going to get 25-plus points from Clay Thompson... I'm probably going to get over 210 in this game.
3: Full disclosure, anyone that's out there that uh, might be a, a fan of mine, I am on the under in the game. But you make some good points. I'm less confident after this well, segment uh, than well, was let's, coming let's, in. Let's talk about it coming up because
2: right. under second half has been a play that I've been on in every game. And even though I'm on the over for the game, I still think the under for the second half could be an angle to look at for this game. We'll talk about that coming up next. He's Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, straight out of Vegas. RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast. I'm Scott Steinberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. This is the Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Look Ahead on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead here on VCN the sports betting network. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Joined in the studio by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, Straight Out of Vegas, RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast, and uh, we were talking about the total for the game six of the NBA Finals coming up here on Thursday night. It's at 210. I like the over. I think it is too low. It's too much of an adjustment. You like the under, just because,
3: uh, and I would assume it has to do statistically, right? Game sixes. And game that, six. That's the foundation. All game sixes since 2003, 57% to the under. Game seven, 62% to the under. Mm. So if you're looking at game five and on, you could say 60 plus percent. However, I do have some reservations. Circa tricked me because Circa was 209.5 when everybody was 210.5. And, and I'm like, uh, this game six trend, sharp book. And, and now this is 210, everywhere's 210. So I, I was a little bit uh, uh, prone to getting a, a good number. At the same time, I have some reservations about my pick because uh, I think the Celtics have to change things up. Offense has been their problem. Yeah. And Warriors, we've seen in closeout games, five and one to the over in game six closeout games. So I didn't know that when I I, uh, made that bet. And uh, now I have some reservations. So I'm not sure if I'll play back or what. So I'm on the over 210. But
2: I I've been on second half unders, yes. and we know that how low Love scoring this. the fourth quarters have been, right? I mean, just looking at these games, we had 49 points in the fourth quarter in Game Five. It was I think 47 in Game Four, 34 in Game Three, 44 in Game Two, and Game One was 56. But that's the Celtics. That was the 40 to 16. Uh, incredible run, the 17-0 run in the uh, in the fourth quarter there. So that's the only fourth quarter that really exceeded
3: fifty points. I've lived in Vegas since twenty thirteen. I probably wouldn't have made it all the way to twenty twenty two here in Vegas if it wasn't for second half unders in the NBA. It's never <laughs> it's never a bad idea, especially if you go to some of these other books like Stations. They get, they make it a point high for no reason. It's never a bad idea. They do exactly the same algebra in the regular season that they do in the playoffs, and it's never right. It's yeah. never been right. It doesn't make any sense. When your season's on the line, you're going to take an extra five seconds to run that set that you mm-hmm. worked on for two days because there's two days of preparation. Uh, it makes a lot of sense why these games slows down. We've seen it in these finals, and it's not surprising. We see it every year. So, so taking a look at the
2: uh, game right now, up on DraftKings, it's at 210 for the total. First half line, 106 and a half. That would be a projected second half of 103 and a half, yep. right? That's I'm, I'm not as smart as you are, but that's good math there, right? I get my calculator out. Okay, right. It sounds so, right. So, so um, how do we feel about a first half over, second half under? Because I think if we get a high scoring first half that we see 110 scored in the first half,
3: I think the second half total is going to be high. I think you have to think about the mentality of the Celtics. Generally, this has been a Warriors-under, Celtics-over series. If you're confident the Celtics are going to be the Celtics, the team that best power-rated team in the NBA, minus four-point favorites, if they're that team, if Jason Tatum holding the ball and, and carrying it around in news practices and Jalen Brown saying, we're not scared of the Warriors, we're not scared of the Warriors, if all that's a show and they're really like trembling, then uh, I don't like the over at all and I like the Warriors a lot. However, if the Celtics are the Celtics – uh, this line has been adjusted four points from game one for no mm-hmm. reason and this this line with the zigzag theory probably is a little bit short in the 69th game out of sixty eight games that were the final ha- uh, spread hasn't mattered under six a good yeah stat by you uh, it hasn't mattered in sixty eight games so probably uh, laying the four makes sense yeah I th- I- I'm leaning I'm Celtics in the over is really the play for me but first quarter over definitely. The play for me, um, you know, these numbers got, are as sharp as they possibly can be. I mean, we've had 106 yeah. games to price them, so I think it's dangerous. And I bet made that bet on the under, but the sh- the side and the and the total is going to be tough to find value in. You know, seven out of seven finals games. Checking to see so, if there's a th- different number here for the first quarter, especially. So I've seen 53 and 52.5 half and 52 and a half for the which is a uh, huge difference. Yep. Every time you're betting a derivative, you have to think about it as. It's like you want a one. A, right. You want a two ten and a half or All two fourteen and a half? Right. That's the difference. You know what I mean? It's times four. Tell me. The guys down there. What are they doing? You would say probably sharpest in town. Matt Metcalf and them boys, yeah, yeah. I like them. They're good. They're good at what they do. 54. Interesting. They are taking a position on the first quarter. They are saying they're bombing away. Way too much overreaction to the Celtics offensive woes. And you can get a fifty-two and a half on FanDuel, I believe. That's yep. it's a very interesting proposition. I mean, it's almost it's almost an auto fire on both sides. At least a little bit of a of a under bet on fifty-four and a massive bet on and fi- over fifty two and a half. I mean, fifty-four is He just put fifteen percent of his bankroll down. Wow. Man. I'm just thinking about it.
2: Like right, let's check another book all here. Those check another bookie book there. Fifty-three and a half at stations. So right in between. All right, so right in between. Uh, let's see, Jason, you want to check another book, check, uh, check some other books for me, please. Let, let's see if we can get any uh, better numbers here, but I mean, I would agree the sharpest guys in town are probably down there. Um,
3: uh, and, and 54 is, they know, I mean, I mean, you know, just think about it. They're saying anyone in Vegas that has any interest in the under, why would you go anywhere in town? This is special red light special or flashing the lights. They're saying, come here. <laughs> well, that's just for the first quarter. So, I, But I'm still on first quarter over, especially, look,
2: right now on FanDuel, I believe it is at 52.5, DraftKings 53.5, so first quarter under would be, first quarter, not under, hey, first quarter <laughs> over.
3: Over, going over is the play for me. Uh, player props. Yes, I'm going to reiterate Robert Williams over 16.5 points and rebounds. I think he plays 35 minutes, which he has not done at any point in the playoffs. I'll give you another one. Jalen Brown, for all the grief that Jason Tatum's gotten, Jason Brown has been worse, significantly worse. Less points, half as many assists. And You look at true shooting. Jason Tatum was setting records on his field goal shooting, but he was making a bunch of threes, so it kind of balanced out. True shooting splits all the difference. Jalen Brown, 50%. Jason Tatum, 51%. They've been essentially the same, and the market is expecting Jalen Brown to take 18 shots, 19 shots a game. He's averaging 17 shots a game, and in this series with Gary Payton playing 25 minutes in the last game, with Clay Thompson waking up on defense, he hasn't been effective. Don't expect him to continue to be effective, and don't expect him to take more shots than usual. So, under 24 and a half points uh, is a really solid bet. Uh, unlike the under, I'm not wavering on that one. J- Jalen Brown under 24 and a half points for the second time in this series. I'll go back to that one. Uh, Steph Curry 28 and a half. Uh, Forced bet, I would go over. Uh, Never, ever eager to bet over because, you know, that's what, you know, Joe Public is going to come to the window and do. But you mentioned uh, the Warriors win in game five. It was a Steph Curry win, their first two, and then a Warriors win in game five. On the road in Boston, I don't see Andrew Wiggins as good as he was being a guy that's going to score 20-plus points. Klay Thompson, same deal. I expect him to show up on defense, not so much on offense. I expect Steph Curry... To be the man, they him the ball unlike any other series in his career. Six seconds per touch. He's dribbling like Allen Iverson and Hot Sauce and Kobe <laughs> put together. They're saying, "Hey, we're not turning the ball over when you're doing this. We're getting a good shot every time down court when you're doing this." I haven't seen anybody do it in the finals this effectively, and I think they're going to give him the ball and get out the way. So that said, I like the over in the points props because when you have the ball that much and you're Steph Curry, that's his number one superpower: max aggression, max imagination. They'll find open shots no matter how they're guarding them. All right. We have the results here of our book
2: poll. MGM stations and William Hill, 53-and-a-half. Circa, we know here, 54. Boyd, 52-and-a-half.
3: Boyd. All right. I'm going down to Boulder Station tonight. I think right. Is Boyd at the Cow right across the street? Okay. I don't, to go, at the oh, I don't have to go too far. I don't have to go too far. I was going to go to, you know, Boyd Station. That's the old, my old
2: Suncoast, I think, uh... Gold Coast, I think, is Boyd. The cow cow doesn't have any kiosks.
3: It, wow. So all right, we gotta go Boyd for 52 and a half. It's I mean, it's a point and a half off. Think about what that means in a game type situation. If it if it's a 216 on the board, would you be interested in the under? Yes. If it's a 204 on the board, would you be interested in the over? A point and a half <laughs> difference in a quarter is a f- six-point difference translated to a game and they're just giving it to you
2: yeah so you got to take that point when you get it so uh we're gonna hit that up that 52 and a half for sure um while i have you we've got about a minute left um we talked to the u.s open golf briefly any players yeah. any outrights that you're gonna play or
3: will Zalatoris 30 to 1 i believe you like him yeah he's down to 20 to 1 right here oh okay yeah. all right sharp book making action yeah. well i'm not gonna pretend i'm a golf expert but i have golf expert friends and they say will Zalatoris, my if you dude get him at 30 to 1 have, is a good player i have three bets Will Zalatoris,
2: Shane Lowry, thirty-one uh, to one here at Circa, and Tommy Fleetwood, the bomb shot, eighty-nine to
3: one. Long, shot. Long shot. What's right. your what's your what's your theory there? Uh, just what people have told me. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. right. I have one bet that I like. I want to fade everybody. The black cloud, uh, figuratively, has been talked about metaphor. I mean, not metaphorically. In actuality, there's a huge storm brewing around Boston right now. I don't think the market has adjusted enough, so you can bet the winning score to be minus 4.5 or worse. Oh, yeah. Plus 140. Yeah. Shop around. at bet MGM, that's a great number. It's mispriced. Winning score under four and a half, yeah. worse than four and Steve a half. Steve Sands from the Golf
2: Channel told me yesterday minus two was his predictive uh, score.
3: I have a golf expert yep. told me minus three. That's before the weather changed. There he is. He's Mackenzie Rivers, RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast, straight out of Vegas
2: on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Scott Sadenberg's the look ahead here on Beeson.
0: To find all of our podcasts, this is the look ahead on VSIN,
2: the sports betting network. Scott Seidemer back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, let us take a look at the Major League Baseball board coming up for Thursday's action. And we get started with several day games, including. A uh, 135 Eastern time start between the A's and the Red Sox at Fenway. And, you know, this would be a spot that I might consider the ace. And there's only, I, I mean, it's not a good smart bet because the Red Sox have been playing just such good baseball. Um, but it is a day game.
1: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Only problem is it ain't a getaway day for the Red Sox. They stay home and the Red Sox welcome in the Cardinals for a game on Friday night. So it's not like the Red Sox are rushing out of town here. Uh, Paul Blackburn, though, is the best pitching option for the A's, and he's been a guy that was very good to me early on in the season against Rich Hill, who is not exactly a friendly um, pitcher, who has the tendency to get hit very hard, but also has the tendency to shut people down, including this Oakland A's team. The last time Rich Hill pitched against the A's, he threw six innings. Of three hit ball. Allowed just one run. The A's offense. Is just. Not good. Uh, And the Red Sox offense. Is very good. The A's have scored. uh, Just two runs in Boston. in In two games. While the Red Sox. Have scored. 16 runs. In the last two games. Combined. The. A's have lost now three, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 of their last 14 games. The A's have lost. And in those games, they have scored, well, they beat the Guardians. They scored 10 runs in that game against the Guardians. But in all of their losses, They have only scored more than three runs twice. A 5-4 loss to the Astros and an 8-4 loss to the Guardians. In all other losses, they either scored one run, two runs, zero runs, and that's it. Oh, one game they lost 6-3 to the Guardians. Well, their offense was really clicking in that series against the Guardians. Uh, But that's about it. So I I don't think I can touch the, the A's. Um, they're just in a bad way right now. Boston minus 160, maybe a Red Sox team total uh, against Blackburn if it's low enough because maybe the book is considering um, you know Blackburn and, and, and his abilities, but I, I don't know. As much as I think that the A's could be a side to bet on, I can't do it. Uh, Padres, speaking of offense, they have just been slugging their way through Wrigley Field. Padres scored 19 runs here in Wrigley on uh, Wednesday. A game total that was 12 and a half because the wind, heavy, heavy winds blowing out at Wrigley Field. But it's, there was, not like there was a lot of homers. Let's see, there was one, two, three, four. That's it. There was four home runs. So it's not like this was a 10-home run fest like a game that we had uh, earlier. What was it, the Diamondbacks against the Padres when that happened where there was like 10 home runs hitting that game because the wind was blowing out so much. Uh, But the Padres scoring 19 runs on Wednesday, 12 runs. 12 runs on Tuesday, 4 runs on Monday. Uh, They will look for the four-game sweep here against the Cubs in a spot where the Padres... Let's see, where are they going to after this game? They will get out of Chicago and go to Colorado. So, getaway spot for the Padres. This could be an under look. It's at 10.5. Joe Musgrove is on the hill against Matt Swarmer. And I don't know much about Matt Swarmer, except he's getting his major league debut here. Right? Or is he? No, let's see. What's Matt Swarmer's? No, he's pitched this year. He's made three starts this year. Uh, six innings against Milwaukee, four runs. Six innings against St. Louis, one run. Five innings against the Yankees, six runs. All right. So he's he's played a little bit. Okay. Um. I don't think the Cubs are going to score off of Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove right now amongst the favorites to win the Cy Young in the National League. And if I think the Padres in this day game spot, getaway spot, are going to come out a little lackluster at the plate... Maybe the Padres win you know, a 4-0 type game, a 5-0 type game. Uh, with Joe Musgrove on the hill could be a way to look at this game. Maybe it's an under at 10.5 uh, for these two teams. Orioles take on the Blue Jays. It's going to be Kevin Gosman on the hill for Toronto against Tyler Wells. For Baltimore, Toronto minus 260 with a total of 8.5. Blue Jays winning uh, on Wednesday in a walk-off fashion after losing 6-5 on Tuesday. You have the Guardians and the Rockies. Tristan McKenzie against Chad Cool for Colorado. Cleveland minus 135, total of 11.5. Phillies take on the Nationals. Zach Wheeler goes for Philadelphia against Patrick Corbin for the Nationals. And uh, the Nationals just uh, can't get out of their own way uh, just getting swept by the Atlanta Braves, who continue to win. Nationals have lost. Uh, what is it? Ten of their last twelve games. So, Patrick Corbin specifically has been a guy that has given up a ton of runs early on in games. Uh, Patrick Corbin throughout this entire season. Let's see. Let's go one, two, <clears throat> three, four. Oh, let's. Go, I lost the picture. One, two. Three, four, five, six. In his last six starts, he has allowed at least three or more runs. Five runs, five runs, three runs, seven runs, three runs, four runs. Corbin is the fade. Zach Wheeler is the ace of this uh, Phillies staff. So, after a you know down performance here on in a day spot on uh, Wednesday. Kind of like Philly's offense to bounce back against Patrick Corbin here on Thursday. Rays take on the Yankees. Jalen Beeks goes for Tampa against Luis Severino for the Yankees. Yankees minus 275 in this spot. Total of seven and a half. Uh, Yankees just beating up on, uh, well, not beating up on, but they beat Shane McClanahan. Nestor Cortez continues to shine. The Yankees just continue to win. I mentioned it earlier. They're 46 and 16, which means if the Yankees just played 500 baseball the rest of the season, if they go 50 and 50, they win 96 games. That's just absurd to think about. Brewers take on the Mets. Aaron Ashby goes for Milwaukee. Tyler McGill for the Mets. Mets got blown out 10-2 here on Wednesday. Uh, they'll look to bounce back. They are minus 140. Rangers take on the Tigers. Texas is minus 140 with their ace, Martin Perez, on the hill against Bo Brieski for the Tigers. Tigers just got blown out by the White Sox. They had to have position players pitching, including uh, Cody Clements. Yeah, Roger Clemens' son took the mound for the Tigers as a a position player, uh, pitched one inning, three hits, one run, and one walk. That is the pitching line for Cody Clemens, the son of Roger Clemens. And finally, the nightcap uh, last game, Angels and the Mariners, Shohei Otani, Pitching for the Angels against George Kirby for the Mariners. No line on that one just yet, but I would assume maybe the Angels are favored. So maybe back the Angels with uh, Otani. We shall see after they almost get no hit against the Dodgers. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I am on the Celtics in game six here on Thursday night and i'm on the over 210 i think it's an overreaction on the line it's just too low right now i think over in the first quarter is what we're going to have we've had 55 points in each of the games in boston in the first quarter so i do expect a high scoring first quarter if you can get over 52 and a half take it over 53 and a half i like it uh and then the over 210 for the game with the celtics winning and covering the 4 point spread and we'll see it in san francisco on the weekend for a Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Hit me up on Twitter, at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I'm Scott Seidenberg, this is The Look Ahead here on VSYN, the
0: Sports Betting Network.